Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Saturday morning Bible study. We're so glad you could join us today. We are recording today from the North Star Cottage, and we are grateful to our hosts this morning. And we are from the Christian Science Church, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America, and that is Independent Church. And we welcome you all. And Thomas will begin today. Welcome, everyone. So I'll start out with uh, our poem. So Mary Baker, ready? Bless Christmas morn, though murky clouds pursue thy way. Thy light was born where storms and shrouds, nor dawn nor day. Dear Christ, forever here and near, no cradle song, no natal hour and mother's tear, to thee belong. Thou God idea, life and crown, the Bethlehem babe, beloved, replete by flesh and bound, was but thy shade. Thou gentle beam of living love and deathless life, truth infinite, so far above all mortal strife, or cruel creed or earth-born taint, fill us today with all thou art. Be thou our saint, our stay, alway. So this is Christmas Morn from the Christian Science Hymnal by Mary Baker Eddy, hymn number 25. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> and that's what Christmas means to her. And to us. And it should be what it means to us. Well, I, there's any you know, comments. I, I've given this before, but to me it's the most significant thing I've read about the hymn. It's from the healer, David Keaston on 145 to 146, how Mrs. Eddie used Christmas morn to heal a patient. I would like to read an excerpt given to me on the very, in the very early days by Mr. James Neal, the beloved student and friend of our leader. I have given this before, but I find it so valuable that I cannot resist sharing with you our leader's own interpretation of Christmas morn in healing a patient. Thou gentle beam of living love and deathless life, truth infinite is you as God sees you, as you see yourself. Still, I quote our leader. I have taken this hymn and raised a patient who was at the point of passing on in the hospital, I held her as a gentle being of what? Living love. As far above all the strife, all the striving, as far above the conditions that brought her there, or cruel creed, the doctor's verdict. So far above all cruel edicts, creeds of mortal belief, or earthborn taint, so far above any taint of inheritance. Fill us, 
fill her today, right now, with all thou art. With what? With living love and deathless life. Truth infinite. Thou all of her, thou all of me. Fill us. Be thou our all of life, always. Yeah. Harry Baker Eddy. So beautiful. It is very, very beautiful. Quite a treatment. I think with this, she separates man completely from any mortality, materiality. <clears throat> Thank you, yes. And that's what does the healing work. And that's the power of that hymn and truly all her hymns, their treatments. This is a beautiful treatment for heredity, belief of heredity, which I've, I've used, worked with a lot. We just had a grandchild born into the family last week. And um, uh, I was working with this hymn. Uh, regarding that, um, just knowing that these, you know, what you've just read, that it, there wasn't a mortal born, but a child of God, one with God. I, I this hymn is, as Florence said, it's, um, it's about our immortality and man's coexistence with God. And, um, yes, it's one of my favorite hymns of hers. Thank you. Yes. I know when I was I was a very young mother and our first child was born, someone from uh, the branch church we were attending out in California. When she sent us a card, she she put on it, you know, that that gentle beam of living love. Um, And I've always remembered that. (laughs) That's the way there's no earthly birth. It's only the unfoldment of good. The, the line in, in the poem, No Natal Hour and Mother's Tear to Thee Belong, reminded me of Hebrews 7, where it was talking about Melchizedek. And it says, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God. Thank you. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So uh, just want to mention, but uh, what, what you read... Uh, the, the Healer by David Keaston. So the Plainfield Church has it posted on their website in the article section. Thank you, yes. Yeah, you all should have a copy. So everybody on this call can go and read it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I never cease to be amazed how in Mrs. A's writings, is so good, so sacred, so true and genuine. I mean, it's obvious that this is her reflection of almighty deity itself. And she was the one who put pen to paper and made it available to us. Good, Good example. Yeah. This is something beautiful, too. Uh, This is from the Blue Book. 
and it's also on our website. It's entitled, and it's Mrs. Eddie, may this dear Christmas season be to you a risen Christ, a morn, the break of day. My beloved students, yes, may this dear Christmas season be to you a Christ, a morn, the break of day. There is nothing jubilant attached to the birth of a mortal that suffers and pays the penalty of his parents' misconception of man and of God's creation. But there is a joy unutterable in knowing that Christ had no birth, no death, and that we may find in Christ, in the true sense of being, life apart from birth, sorrow, sin, and death. Oh, may your eyes not be holden, but may you discern spiritually what is our Redeemer. May you watch and pray that you keep the commandments and live the Sermon in the Mount this coming year. Let the good you can do and the stimulation of action keep your mind from dwelling on the past, for the present demands your care, and you must go forth to meet the future calm and strong. It's Mary Baker Eddy, and Florence gave that as a prayer a couple of Christmases ago for the beginning of our roundtable. It's very beautiful. Also in he, he um, sorry, in uh, the blue book, an evening prayer, Mrs. Eddy says <clears throat> to declare, <clears throat> excuse me, to declare that you are well is the exact truth. You are not flesh, but rather the ray of divine light that shining upon flesh makes it appear alive. <laughs> this view is spiritual and cannot be sick. Thank you. It's beautiful. And thank you for those who came today on this busy season, but we're getting a true sense of, of this season. And, and it's always important we purify and clarify our thought about it and spiritualize it. So thank you for the beautiful poem, Thomas. Mrs. Eddie. Yeah, I'll just uh, make a comment on one of the lines here, but, uh, you know, it talks about deathless life. So uh, it says truth is infinite. So that's what we learn in Christian science, right? <clears throat> yes. So then our topic is life without birth and without end, emitting light. And that is from Christ and Christmas by Mary Baker Eddy. Wonderful. That's the truth we should all know. And um, my editorial here, but uh, it does seem like when I was growing up that Christ and Christmas uh, by Mary Baker Eddy was always full of controversy. People tended to ignore it, but how can you ignore this topic, right? I just quoted from Christ and Christmas. Thank so you. It's not controversial. <laughs> now, and Miss Betty, it says in our textbook, you know, life is infinite. We should find this out and begin the demonstration thereof. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that's the challenge. People don't want to begin the demonstration thereof. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Also, I see, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Florence. It, I feel also that if God is spirit, is the only way to be at one with him, if we accept ourselves also as, you know, unborn, never, never born, never dying, the, the spirit, the sense of being a spiritual being is the only way we are at one with him. This is how it comes yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only way. Yeah. And yeah. Jesus came to overcome the belief in birth. That was, that was, you, you can't overcome the belief of death unless first you have to overcome the belief in birth. So everything he said, everything he did was, was about that, that whoever he healed or raised from the dead was about you were never born into matter. <laughs> no, and he always talked of himself as coming from the father right yeah 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 no human or Abraham was he was Mm -hmm. Florence no human origin no human history no human ancestry no human condition that is all is spiritual all pure all harmonious all perfect now and forever. Thank you. So it seems like the most sacred things, and this is indeed quite sacred, kind of arouse the the worst in antagonism of those that are materially minded, like this so-called controversy with Christ and Christmas is because the interpretation of it was of the very thing that we were getting away from in this this discussion, personality. People interpret things personally. And uh, that's where the problem was. But what are you going to do, run away from it? You know, we have much to face these things with, and they won't be resolved if we just simply turn our back and and not uh, address them. So... You know, we have the most wonderful gift, God's sacred gift, the revealed truth. And because of Mary Baker Eddy, I feel we have the true sense of Christmas. And it's not just like a a mortal celebration of the birth of a child, like we've been discussing all along, but rather the revealed truth coming to light. And that is quite wonderful. And that comes daily. Yes, it does. Yeah. We've, I've mentioned this, but we've had, we have a, Carol did a beautiful edition of The Liberator on Christ and Christmas. In December, I think, I think it was either oh, 20, 21. Yeah. I actually, there was two. There was a part one and a part two. Yeah. But I always get those out. Beautiful. They are beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And comments uh, about it from Judge Hannah, and I think the other one was Tomlinson. Very profound. Yeah, so you said this was November 2020. Is that what? Okay. Christ and Christmas, November 2020. Thank you. Um, there's a Christ and Christmas topic for the Liberator, 
on yes, uh, there's an introduction by Irving Tomlinson, introduction by Judge Hanna, uh, and more. Thank you very much. Everyone get that and study it. Thank you. So perhaps in our notes after the our Bible study, that, that can be one of the links that we post for you know, further study and reading. Thank you. Yeah, I will. Most definitely. That would be excellent. Yeah. Okay. Um, so for uh, getting into our questions, um, since this is a Bible study, we have our first question that's just a Bible fact question. Um, as opposed to trying to understand the Bible spiritually, as we like to do. So the uh, uh, first question is, what do we know about St. Catherine's Monastery? Now, we know there are monasteries everywhere, right? Lots of them. But why this particular one? What's important about St. Catherine's Monastery? Someone who hasn't spoken. <laughs> How about you, Dale? Well, well, it it sits on the on top of Mount Sinai in Egypt. Um, say situated there, five thousand feet above sea level, in a narrow valley north of Mount Musa in the Sinai Peninsula. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to read through some notes here. Um, well, excuse monastery. me, this is Nancy. Oh. I'm sorry, Dale. No, that's I okay. just Go thought ahead. I loved, I um I liked what it said that it um is located in the very place where God appeared to Moses in the burning bush. And so I thought that was quite significant. <laughs> yes. It's also interesting that it's never been destroyed yeah. <laughs> this yeah. whole time. I mean, that's a fairly hot area. So, thank you. Yes. Yeah. So you think about it. It was founded in 527. That's a long time ago, um, by the Byzantine Emperor Justinian the First. Another huge history. It says during the 7th century, the monastery provided a center of refuge for scattered communities of Christians threatened by the rise of Islam. Spared by the Muslims, the monks, according to tradition, conciliated the invaders by erecting the small mosque within the walls where local Bedouin um, Arabs still worship. So that's pretty interesting. Yes. I think Betty's trying to say something. Betty? Uh, yeah, the, I was going to say something, but it was the, the oldest monastery that they know of. Um, and they have, a, uh, it says that they also hold the world's oldest continually operating library with unique or extremely rare, rare works. And it's the largest collection of Christian icons, etc. And uh, apparently, it was named after Saint Catherine after they she uh, 
I I didn't get too much about St. Catherine in the information I got, but um, they had found uh, she had died, and they had found her, and they put her in this monastery, I guess buried her in the monastery, and hence they named it after the Saint, uh, St. Catherine, after that. So it was, but it apparently is important to Christians, Jews, and Muslims. So it's um, a very interesting place um, with, a, with a long history. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I think Thank you. So uh, the library is really one, what I think of, is one of the most important aspects of the monastery. So they found there um, the what they call the Codex uh, Sinaiticus. Mm -hmm. and the Codex Syriacus, not sure if I pronounced that right, um, but these are um, um, handwritten, one of them is a handwritten manuscript of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And the Codex Syriacus is um, a translation of the four canonical Gospels, um, says here, into Syriac. But it's the oldest translation of the Bible into any language. Wow, that's and almost that's complete. Cool. <clears throat> it was the most complete collection. <clears throat> so interesting. And you can watch, you know, I watched a little YouTube. You can watch a video of people going in there and seeing all these old paintings and other things. So right. we don't have to travel there. <laughs> but, it, but it was a document of the scriptures were preserved. Yeah. And that mm -hmm. is tremendous. That is yes. tremendous. God protected. It's also supposed to enclose the well of Moses, where Moses is said to have met future wife of the poor. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And they show that in this YouTube of the well. Moses met. Yeah. So, and then uh, in 1949, 1950, um, all the manuscripts were microfilmed um, by this organization acting on behalf of the Library of Congress. But, but um, Tom, why is it important to because? Billy mentioned something earlier that it's important to Christians and Muslims. Why is it important to, to Muslims as well? Because that area is very unique because um, Egypt has a very small population of Christians, but they have a huge population of Muslims. And the area is basically mostly a Muslim dominant area. Yet they, they find the importance of of it to preserve it to this day. I mean, knowing that it could have been easily destroyed. Yeah. So much has been destroyed. Yeah. yeah. Do you know why it's important to Muslims, Tom? Is that your question? Yeah. Why the, the effort to preserve it as well? Um, that I'm not sure. I mean, they, but, I don't know. They, they believe in Moses. That's what I thought. They believe in Moses. Well, that might be why. And they believe in Jesus. 
Holocaust well. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And also, uh, in finding Mount Sinai, a program I watched, <clears throat> it was the Muslims that were pointing to where Moses um, was buried or something. So M Moses means something to them. Yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay. Well, um, that was fascinating. So, um, our, uh, yeah, I think that's interesting. Yes. So, uh, our next question is, uh, we'll now delving into the story of the birth of Jesus. So, uh, question number two, how is the statement, quote, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, unquote, relevant to us today. So this is in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. So, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. In, in Matthew Henry, it says that the angel gives the supercilious to their fears. Fear not, for we have nothing to say to you that needs to be a terror to you. You need not fear your enemies, and you should not fear your friends. He furnishes them with abundant matter for joy. Behold, I evangelize to you great joy. I solemnly declare it, and you have reason to bid it welcome, for it shall bring to all people, and not to the people of the Jews only, that unto you is born this day at this time a Savior, the Savior that has been so long expected, which is Christ Lord in the city of David. Thank you, that's beautiful. Well, the hymn, Joy to the World, the Lord has come, and he said it brings joy. It should bring joy to all people, really. And also I was thinking of Christ as the law of right feeling. To me, it means that Joy is part of the nature we reflect, so it is the purpose but us joy. You should be feeling it. It's wonderful. Don't lose your joy. Thank you. I like to think about who the angels appeared to. I, as a child, I just accepted it. The shepherds, of course. But when you think about it, to appear to these humble people, and Christ came humbly and modestly. To me, it's it's very beautiful, and and he brought and the joy was announced to the shepherds, and they they didn't hold back. They went and found the child. So here we are, humble people, <laughs> accepting the joy. Thank you. That's beautiful, and and that goes this this December Liberator, the watchful shepherd. Yeah. Beautiful articles just about that. It came to the humble because the humble were ready to accept it. They didn't think they knew anything. They just were humbly accepting the Christ. Yeah. And there's something else about the shepherds. They were awake and watchful. Obviously, that's part of their thing. They had to take care of the sheep, especially at nighttime when who knows who's going to come in. But they were awake and alert to their duty and watching as they should. 
So, what shall I say? They were ready to hear what the angels had to say. And it's a savior to all people. To all people. Nobody, nobody can take ownership of, of this truth, of the Christ. If it's, it's to all people. We're all brothers and sisters. We're all of one faith. All of one people. So to all people, I thought also was um, significant too that it's, no one's left out. No one, it's not just to one person or one group of people or one church, to all people everywhere. Yeah, that stuck out to me as well because so many denominations try to like gatekeep you know, Christianity, the Christ, you know, try to say it's only us, everyone else is going to hell. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, what I liked about the question was how is this statement relevant to us today? And so it's not just, I was just thinking, so it's not just to all people, but throughout all sense of time, it's immortal this good tidings of great joy to all people all the time. And I, I that's just and that's one of the reasons why it's relative relevant is because it's immortal. Thank you. I found some things too about this for all people. and this is extremely re relevant today. Because all this fighting that's going on, a lot of it is rooted in this belief and this arguing, you know, just as, as was said by Jeremy and Karen, and you know, that you're going to go to hell, but I'm not. <laughs> well, thanks a lot. Um, and, and this is a, uh, I'm reading, I'm not even sure where this, it's, these notes come from, but when men said only Jews can be saved, when men said only the baptized can be saved, John Calvin said anyone can be saved. It is for those who have been baptized and those who have not been baptized. It is for those who are Jews and for those who are Gentiles. It is for those who are old enough to accept the gospel. And it is for little children not old enough to accept the gospel. God can save anyone, anyone he will. This is the doctrine of election. And now we are growing to a broader view than this. It is not for the Jew only, but for the Gentile, not for the baptized only, but for the unbaptized, not for the elect only, but for the non-elect. And how can I tell my brother if it were not a universal joy? How can I tell my grief to the glad, but not my gladness to the grieving? I dare not spread my banquet at the open window where the hungry are passing by. Therefore, O oh my father, I rejoice that thou hast sent into my heart a ray of glory, which is not alone for me. I rejoice that thou hast given me a treasure, which I need not hide from my brother. I rejoice that the candle which sparkles in my pool is not from the candle, but from the moon. The candle is for me, but the moon is for all. Put out my candle, O my father, extinguish the joy that is proud of being unshared. Lower the lamp which shines only on my own mirror. Let down the lights that make a wall between myself and the weary. And over the darkness, let there rise the star 
the Bethlehem star, humanity's star, the star that shines for one because it shines for all. That is so significant because truly all of this old theology has got to go out the door. It is the cause for all of these warring nations. <laughs> then quite, I got this call from our friend Melissa in Australia and, and she gave me something from Martha Wilcox and it's from mind and man. And I, I don't ever remember reading it before. And I, I'm, well, it, and it is about Judaism, okay? And it, someone asks, what are we to do with the so-called Jewish problem? Christian science gives us a solution. Since Christian science is the Christ, the Christ or true knowledge of God and man is the answer to this Jewish problem. And then Judaism is not a race of people, but a viewpoint. Even Paul said that Christ cannot be divided into Jew and Gentile, bond or free. When we understand that Judaism is a type of thinking, then we will see that the Jew is not persecuted by any group or nation. It is the false belief of being a Jew with all that it implies, which includes the persecution of that belief. Mm. And this appears as persecution and persecutors. Actually, what seems to be persecution it's of self-righteousness and the love of materiality destroying itself. Just as in the case of Cain and Abel, as Mrs. Eddy says in the textbook, the erroneous belief that life substance and intelligence can be material ruptures the life and brotherhood of man at the very outset, end quote. Judaism is the antichrist, that which divides humanity into the chosen and the unchosen, those who keep the law and those who do not. The Christ cannot be divided. Now, this is an anti-Semitism. This, this is handling this erroneous belief that is going to destroy itself. Again, life in matter, the belief of all this materiality and, and material gain, and the belief that some people are chosen and not chosen. What the heck? So then we have Hitler coming along saying, no, 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 we're going to persecute the Jews. And it's the, it's the Aryan race. It's all the blue-eyed blondes. They're the chosen. <laughs> what ridiculous stuff is this? But as scientists, we have to get to the root of this problem. And the root of this problem is just what Martha Wilcox wrote. I thought, wow, this is so great. It impersonalizes it totally so we can handle it. And it's not, it's the Christians as well that say that, yeah, you're going to go to hell and I'm not because I'm better than you. All of this stuff. What is this stuff about? And if we do handle it, it will be the end to the warring nations. Mm -hmm. Goodwill toward men. Peace on earth, another message from the angels. So it is extremely relevant to right now and to all ages. This will end the war because this is the root of the problem that some people are superior and others are inferior. We know in science that is a damn, damnable, damnable lie. And it is. Mm -hmm. Yes, that prayer, thank God. Thank God I'm not as other men. What did you say, 
plants? Or who shall be the greatest? Or who is the greatest? Right. Be the greatest. Yeah. And Jesus came to destroy all that, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yes. And in, and, and Lawrence and I wondered why they called it the chosen. Because <laughs> we that a lot. But uh, anyway, but it makes surely, clearly, you know, he is always addressing this. This, this belief mm -hmm. of some are excluded and some are better than others. He's always mm -hmm. trampling it down. Yeah, that's what he said to the sons of thunder. You think you're better than other people, but you're exactly. not. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So it's all it's all religions. It's all races. It's everywhere. It's not particular to any one or the other, but it must be handled and totally destroyed. So all people, everyone, everywhere, no one ex excluded. Isn't that what is at war? I mean, it's been at war for a very long time. You thinking they are superior. And the hatred toward the Jews for thinking they are superior. And yeah. um, yeah. that's been the conflict. Like they talk about the, the time of Hitler. And that was the whole what the whole problem was. And that um we know that's the purpose of Christ. Yes. Both his birth, uh, material birth and his mission to destroy this uh, or to put this to rest, this conflict. And throughout his mission, he demonstrated that. He didn't walk like a Jew, but he preached and he lived his life of inclusion. And the Jews that and didn't like it. They sure didn't. Yeah, they went right to Syria. Well, he just included everybody. Yeah, some of the Jews didn't like it. Yeah, you know, not all. Those who had the wrong attitude didn't like it. Right. The, re the rest of them were okay. They wanted it. Yes, mm -hmm. and that's true. I mean, this is not. This is not person. It's not person. It's a type of thinking. It is a type of thinking. And as we've talked about, what he addressed, what he rebuked, mm -hmm. was the era of the Pharisees and the Sadducees who thought they were superior, self-righteous, all of that. That's what he came in on. But Gary's absolutely right. Not all of them felt that way. And not all, all of them feel that way today. Probably the majority don't. Not, and that he taught the Old Testament with you know, Joseph and mm -hmm. Moses and all those people that were living the Christ and in their highest understanding, one God. So some of the attack on them wasn't always that they thought they were better. Some of it was because they stood for the one God. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely right. Thank you. Very important point that is. Well, yes. when he taught by the Sea of Galilee, he attracted huge crowds. And how did that? He didn't like, I don't know if he did much in the way of advertising, but <laughs> no doubt he attracted the humble and receptive and they loved it. Yes, it was the organization and ones that were collecting yeah. money and controlling others that didn't like it. That was, you know, it was the people that thought they were important that were offended. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I can remember even as a Christian scientist, there was this feeling that we were some kind of an elect, yeah. you know, that we were better yeah. than you, yeah. you know, winking at each other. Well, we know. <laughs> yeah. And we're better than others. It, it it applies to everybody everywhere, but sure wherever it's rampant, it really needs to be destroyed. <laughs> it's really mentioned that early. In, I remember many years ago, some denomination or some church organizations always think that 
mean, I remember growing up in Nigeria where they have different nominations, they have methodists, which I was growing up part of. They have assembly, they have Adekra, they have a huge Catholic. And you can feel this. Even as a child, you can feel yourself trapped into this. Uh, it's not a war, but this thought of superiority among the churches as well. Yeah. Catholic thing they have. Assemblies, I they can't think, oh no, we are the one. We are the, the we're the best. And it's like just, a fault line of belief. Yeah, I mean between the two. When you first saw trap, yeah, trapping the it just takes away. Hinders you from growing as a Christian. It, it, absolutely, thank you. Hinders you from growing. It's a big trip up trap. And it's pride, false sense of who and what you are and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Idea, inferiority, superiority, it's got to go. Whatever. Seeing enemies. What? Seeing enemies, because I went and about the persecution. That's what That's I, was, it. I had to work on myself. You know, seeing people was always out there to yeah. get me. That's it. That, that's you're the victim. People are always after me. They'll persecution, yes. Persecuted race. Well, no, no. This can all be healed in science. And a small group of metaphysical healers in one mind can do it. Yeah, yeah. Christ is for all nations. It is. I found something in miscellaneous writings, if I could share it. It's on page 368. It says, quote, Let us not forget that the Lord reigns and that this earth shall sometime rejoice in his supreme rule. But the tired watchmen on the wall of Zion and the true Christian scientists at the foot of the Mount of Revelation shall look up with shouts and thanksgiving that God's law, as in divine science, shall be finally understood and the gospel of glad tidings bring on earth peace, goodwill toward men. End quote. Beautiful. Thank you. So um, I'm going to add on a comment on to all people. This is coming from Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. He does write, just pulling out certain words, he says, to all the chosen people of God, whether Jew or Gentile, so this is what we just discussed, right? Uh, it includes everybody. And the reason I'm, I'm mentioning this is I want to, uh, is the next thing that he writes. He says, to all who rejoice at his birth. So this is the season. I mean, the, the way we have uh, uh, the poem and, 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 uh, and uh, Christ and Christmas that Mary Baker Eddy wrote, uh, this is the season where we're rejoicing the birth of Jesus, uh, of Jesus uh, which, uh, you know, helps bring peace to the world and brings us together. Um, it's not limited to this season. We should be rejoicing the birth of Jesus all year, but we're just taking the moment out to uh, make a special time to rejoice in his birth. So to me, this is a very joyous season for that reason, right? And healing. Yeah, and, and we need to remember that Mrs. Eddie has said that Christmas to her is not so much joy for the birth of a mortal, but rather the understanding of the Christ that 
that has come to us that has no birth and has no death. She even says she rejoices more in the adult Jesus than the baby being born because she recognizes that the Christ message that Jesus brought to us didn't have a birth and it's not going to have a death. And that's what is important for us to remember. And in doing it, it exempts us from all these pagan, and they are pagan, ways of, of so-called celebrating Christmas. Uh, I mean, it's, it's very pagan and almost repulsive in a way, the materiality of the time. Um, we must stay clear of it. In, in one of the commentaries, it was kind of interesting because this woman was saying that when she was a child, she went to a Christian school and they always did the nativity and, and they all had to memorize the the story in Luke, like 20 verses or something, and which is beautiful, actually. And she yeah. still remembered a lot of it. But but she said so much of it, she, she's, she lost the awe of the whole thing. And that we must not ever lose. And that's what hopefully we'll, we're creating in us today, this awe and appreciation of the Christ, not, not the birth of a mortal, but the Christ. Uh, and it's a, what does Mrs. Eddie tell her students? It's a feast of soul. A famine of sense. Famine of sense. Mm-hmm. She went on to so, say. So just going back to what Gary said, and Mary just uh, also uh, comment on, but uh, the book that, uh, or poem that Mary Baker Eddy wrote was not written as the birth of Jesus, but she titled it Christ and Christmas. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She handles all the of the day. Bruce, go ahead. Yeah, Mrs. Eddie said that she loves to celebrate Christmas with her soul, with her spiritual sense. And some of these so-called pagan things is like induced joy and may have the appearance of joy because here this saying from the bible is good tidings of great joy but the thing is this great joy is not just an emotional exhilaration because the emotions wear out they come and go whereas the christ is steady and calm all the way so this great joy must be greater than a mere emotional exhilaration, which, you know, burns out like a candle that burns quickly. I remember reading in Dominion Within where Mr. Kratzer has a description of Jesus. And he said that his outward life was full of turmoil and uh, disturbance and everything. But inwardly, he had a peace that was settled like a sea of glass. And no matter what was going on about him, outwardly, you could have gone to him and found peace. So this gives us a picture of what peace is. And obviously, it's Jesus' very strong connection with his father that he would not let go. He had a connection with his father that could not be disturbed or dissolved or anything. So no matter what was going on, he had in his heart peace on earth and goodwill to men. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I think 
emotional exhilaration. And I was also thinking it shouldn't be just nostalgia either, because I think a lot yeah. of a lot of what they try to play on is people's nostalgia of how they felt as a kid. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or feeling mm -hmm. sad over things. And and I, I like I look this is Eddie says Go ahead, Mary. I love to observe Christmas and quiet. She doesn't even use the word celebrate, observe it. Go ahead. I looked up the history of Christmas, and uh, it is mostly, it's all pagan, um, you know, all the things that, that we do now. And um, it's very interesting if anybody wants to look on the uh, internet, there's a lot about it. But one of the things that I found significant is that I can't remember when, but there was, there was a um, Christmas way back, I can't remember when, but got to be really um, a lot of um, uh, revelry and and just really went overboard and celebrating. It was very, lots of drinking and like, this was way back. And they were trying to, the early settlers were trying to fight having a day, a Christmas day. They just, they, they could see what was happening. They were trying to stop this and just have a quiet a quiet day of remembrance without having a big holiday because that was bringing all kinds of problems. And um, they fought it. They, they just wanted a quiet day. And obviously they, but there was a, there was a time when they were trying to stop this from being a big, huge celebration because it was causing all kinds of problems. I <laughs> thought true. that was interesting. <laughs> Thing. Yes, it is. Thank you. And yes. it makes sense too. Revelings is one of the items listed in Galatians five nineteen of the things that you shouldn't be doing. Shouldn't be doing. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. we're grateful we can observe it in any way we wish. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't have to get involved in the reveling. We don't have to get involved in the pagan, you know, nonsense. And yeah. that he says, as Mary just said. She liked to observe Christmas, not participate in it, but she liked to observe Christmas in quietude. But you're right. I mean, the cell, you know, the this this the holiday <laughs> Christmas at the end of the year is basically a pagan celebration. Yeah. That is the root of the okay. date was selected. For Christmas, Jesus was not born in December. <laughs> no. Well, and we, we turn it all around. That's why I don't even the word holidays. We call it holy days, and there can be something very beautiful about this time. Um, I, I know Mrs. Evans used to; <laughs> she couldn't stand it because of all of this. But if we remove ourselves from it for the most part, and just the joy, the the beautiful. Um, holy music, sacred music, and the beauty of the of the beautiful lights on the dark evenings, and all of that. Uh, mm. And it can it can be a beautiful time of year. We don't need to throw it throw the baby out with the bathwater. But, well, um, yeah. but oh, just thinking about. Think uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I just think. Oh, I'm sorry. Who did you just have to go ahead? <laughs> Okay, oh, one you just said really just exactly what I was featuring my thoughts. It just it should be a state of you can still 
I mean, just personally, even growing up as a child, I love, I love the lights when people decorate all these lights. I love the atmosphere of Christmas. And also, from the teaching I'm getting, I was getting that time from Sunday school, knowing what, what the reason why this is happening around me, the birth of Christ. None of those lights, all those atmosphere takes it away from me. Not even a bit. So there's a way you can do them in moderation. You can decorate your house. You can buy yourself a special gift if you want to. You can send gifts to your loved ones and friends if you want to. And, and none of that should take away what Christmas means to yes. you. And once it starts, then you stop it. I tell yeah. them you don't have to. And and if, if it starts to not be fun, mm-hmm. do not do it. Don't do it moderation. I mean. Yeah, moderate. I shouldn't yeah. even use the word fun. <laughs> it stops being take you away from God instead of bringing yes. you closer to God. Uh, you know, yeah. go down the road. Yeah, like carpenters. That, that, Just about church, yeah, uh, on um, Christmas Eve. Well, when I first came here many years ago, should I use the word many years ago? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I first came here, I've never been to Christmas Eve so holy. I've been to a lot of them, and it was just so not, so, not anything close to what I witnessed here the first time. Uh, um, during the Christmas Eve, the candlelight, the music, it was such a holy atmosphere. I mean, that's what, for me, that's what celebration of Christmas is all about. And then, uh, that's things that we should do. And when you get beyond that, I think I start to be wrong. Yes, sir. taking away the meaning. Thank you very much. I agree. The candlelight yeah. service is so special every year. Yeah. We, we really work to pray and make it that way. And if it ever isn't, we would stop it. But um, what, what more holy way? And most of you know this year it will be at 5 p.m. New Jersey time. We're doing it earlier this year because Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. And we have little kids coming. And we have little kids coming. <laughs> and, and we have musicians that have to stay all day. So... But if you can't come, then you can listen to it later. I, I know we're approaching 11, and we have two more questions. Maybe, hopefully, we've answered all the questions in this stimulating discussion. <laughs> well, we, we, we've had a very active and joyous discussion, which is just uh, yes. heartwarming, right? Yes. yes. This yes. has been an active and joyous discussion today. And that, uh, but I'll read the – yeah. Emmanuel, God with us. That's right, God with us. Go ahead. Okay, so we'll do number four, right? Okay. Okay. So since we're towards the end, um, what does God with us, quote, unquote, God with us mean? And uh, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. That's from Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Um, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Uh, and that's from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. 
And then who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? That's uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 35. So what does God with us mean? <laughs> well, it's obviously our atonement with God. It's uh, the, if, our, if we are identifying ourselves as the, our nature is the Christ, then that's when we are at, at one people realize that we are at one with God because principle and its idea is inseparable. So we're, we're God in self-expression and his idea. Thank you. It's in him we live, move, and have our being. Where are we? At one with him. Acts, Acts. 1728. Well, this is my prayer for everyone. I did not know when I was younger that God was, I, I love God, but to know and coming through Christian science to realize that every second of every day and night that God is with us. And I, and I would tell that every time I got in the car with my grandchild, I would say, Emmanuel, God with us. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to know this. Thank you. Very beautiful. Very good. Yeah. I do the same, just that one little verse, Emmanuel, God with us. <laughs> and Spurgeon fix, picks up on the, um, the um, being interpreted. Being interpreted, again, he says, for all nations, for all races, for everybody, <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be in all different languages. It's not just in Hebrew or Greek. It's in all languages being interpreted. So that was, I thought, interesting point. Hmm. Well, what this meant to me was, first of all, Jesus showed us what it means to be the image and likeness of God, right? And for this, we owe this homage. And the practical implication of the fact is of the fact that God is omnipresent, which we learn in science. God is all. So the concept that God is with us is kind of backwards because it's us centered. He's always with us because. We are him manifest, mm -hmm. right? In other words, we are with him. <laughs> we are life, truth, and love manifest. In other words, he's mind, and mind is our intelligence. God is principle. Well, principle is the is our compass. And all of this exists in our consciousness, right? It doesn't exist in our brain, doesn't exist in our arms or legs or fingers or eyes or ears or nose. It exists in our consciousness. And that's because spirit 
is our substance. So in other words, God with us, God is. God, God is expressing himself through us. We're not God, but God expresses himself through us. If we get self out of the way and, and allow it. And that is Emmanuel. And that is the atonement. Was Janet or someone trying to say something earlier? Uh, I believe she was. Janet, did you want to? Oh, yes. Um, I was just ta talking about, you know, when we get, gather together with everyone um, on any holiday, it's an opportunity for us to let our light shine and, and create an atmosphere of love, the true love, you know, which is the Christ. Thank you very much. And anywhere we go and anything we do, that should be our purpose. Radiate God's love. Then we're not absorbing all the holiday beliefs. Radiate and be, be such a blessing. And just one thing, too. This is something that Carrie sent about uh, the question of holy to the Lord. Um, she said to be set apart to serve to the service of God. So that other question. And when we're holy unto the Lord, we, we give ourselves to him. Like Samuel. Like mm -hmm. Samuel, yes. We come at, become at one with him. This was just said. So thank you all. This was tremendous. <clears throat> Anyone else want to add anything? Thomas? Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh. yeah. I would like to add a thought. Um, I have a thing from Isaiah 25, 7. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all the people and the veil that is spread over all the nations. And referring back to question two, and just take that, that veil off so you can actually see what the truth is and that God does love us all. <laughs> Yeah, and the veil is the is the wrong attitudes mm -hmm. that, that, that people have about themselves and others, and it's the wrong attitudes that need to be destroyed, need to be changed. Inside of us, yeah, and the only way to change those wrong attitudes is through an understanding, a better understanding of the science that is the laws of God that govern the universe. And that's what Jesus came to illustrate and to teach. And he admitted to his disciples that he had more to say that they wouldn't understand, but the comforter would come and, and lead them into all truth. And we now understand that comforter is the science. And that is why we are so grateful to Mary Baker Eddy for being the willing, the, the willing scribe under orders who received the science and wrote mm -hmm. it, and proved it, and taught it. Overcame so much. And overcame all the opposition of the carnal beliefs to do it. And that is our privilege and duty today, is to carry it on, to live it the best we can, 
and to also overcome the opposition, which is still appears to be strong, but we know is not. And we need to we need to remember that. And it raises its ugly head this time of year because this is, you know, this is supposed to celebrate the Christ. And, and the Antichrist doesn't like it, but that's, that's too bad. So here we are. So help us God. So help us God. Exactly. <laughs> so say we are. <laughs> Well, thank you, Thomas. Thank you all. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you all. Thank you. 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 Thank you